in this series called Teach Us to Pray, straight out of Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Please understand Jesus was a Jew, and uh, Jews religiously prayed three times a day. Three times a day, they did. Every Jew prayed three times a day. That means Jesus prayed three times a day. Jesus, the Son of God, prayed. Not once, not twice, but three times a day. And, and how many times a day do we pray? Mm-hmm. Okay, just, just throw that out there. But the people that were closest to him, he had 12. You know, he had the masses, then he had his 12. But even within his 12, he had, he had a small group. And these were with him in, in every situation. So they would go and they would pray. But then they would hear Jesus pray. And sometimes Jesus was so dedicated to his prayer time that he would escape their eyesight, the Bible says. It talks about he would go to a solitary place. In other words, he was alone. And he would do that often. And he would pray. But they heard his prayer and there was something about his prayer that they didn't have. And so they asked him in Luke 11, 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John's disciples prayed. Let me start there. Why John's disciples? Because John was the forerunner of Jesus. John came with a message that the previous runners had never had. John's message was one of repentance. And those that followed him learned to pray like he prayed. That's what a disciple is, okay? okay. Um, and so here comes Jesus, and he's praying, obviously, a different connection. And his disciples say, hey, John taught his disciples, we want you to teach us. We want to pray like you. And Jesus was so gracious to give us in two vantage points a model prayer. Please understand, the reason you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, even though they tell a lot of the same stories, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John is a little bit different, but it's the same story, just different vantage points. So each different person will pick up on something a little bit different. It's not that they're contradicting, it's just a vantage point. And Jesus gives us this model prayer in Luke 11, as well as Matthew chapter 6. Last week we talked about uh, the basics of it, and I want to build on those basics today. Before I do, I want to ask you to consider why does God not answer your prayers? There's a fantastic book by uh, an author that I enjoy. I offer it to you. Timothy Keller is his name. He has a fantastic book called Prayer. In it is this gem. I want you to see it today. He says, God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. Think about that. He would give, he would only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything. In other words, learning to pray from his perspective, not ours. Now let's be honest, a lot of us pray from our perspective. We pray from a place of need and a place of desire and a place of loss and a place of hurt. We, we panic and we beg God. But if we would learn to pray from his perspective, you know what? He would give us the things we asked for. I remember one time when our family was in need of a vehicle. 
and we're still driving this vehicle. 11 years later, still have it. It, uh, we were in need of a vehicle, and I wrote on a big post-it note right over here on this wall. Um, one day, Dad let me in here to pray, and I was praying, and I was writing on there, and it said, what do you want? And I went back and read it, and I said, now, Lord, wait a minute. You always taught me that you give me what, my, what I need, not necessarily what I want. And this is what he spoke to me, and I've held on to it ever since. He said, when I have all your heart, you'll have all my desires, then I'll give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because they're not your desires, they're mine. That's what this is saying. God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. So maybe we need to flip our perspective from, what, from our vantage point and learn to get his. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The second statement that Jesus makes in this model prayer we find in Matthew 6.10. He said, pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now I want, I want to put this to you today as I begin I don't know that our prayers should be so much about heaven invading earth. I think it needs, it, maybe, more, maybe it's more about earth drawing closer to heaven. Maybe it's not so much that you need the kingdom to manifest in your life. Maybe it's more you just need to draw, you need to push away from the world and draw closer to the kingdom. Focusing on his will being done. So I'm going to give you quickly a model, a simple one. Somebody's written a book on it. It's famous. So here's my little spin on it. But I want to share with you a simple story, a guy who is only mentioned in two verses in the Bible. Seriously. Talk about obscure. It's in the book of Chronicles. Now, if you've ever read the Bible all the way through, if you haven't, that's, that's a cool thing to do. I would just encourage you to use something called the one-year Bible because it gives you some Old Testament some New Testament, and some Psalms. And when you get into this book, you will be so glad that there are some New Testament and Psalms because it's the book of Chronicles. Anybody know what a Chronicle is? It is a list of this person begat this, begat this, begat this, begat this. And every once in a while, they throw you a little story about it, and then they jump, oh, and he begat this person. And it's genealogy. It's a Chronicle. So in the midst of this Chronicle, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. There's this little story about a woman who begat a child. And when she begat him, it wasn't a good thing. Let me show it to you. Jabez was a more honorable man than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Now, in this time period, they would use several methods by which they would name their children. Sometimes, they would name, it, would, it would be a name that God told them to give them, so it's a prophetic name that they were going to live out. And what's cool is that maybe many times those names were given, and the parents didn't fully understand what it was that this person was going to wind up doing, but yet they lived out their name. Let me give you one example. Joshua. Anybody know what his name means? Savior. Do you know what he did? He brought Israel out of the desert into their promised land. Do you know what the Savior has done for you? He's brought you out of the desert of sin and brought you into his kingdom of light. Joshua's name means Savior and he lived it out. 
So they would often, sometimes that would be a reason. Another reason that they would name them is because of what was going on in their life and the circumstances within which this child was born. And this woman said, I've given birth to him in pain. Now listen, boys, men, come on now. How many of you are glad your mom did not name you right after you were born when she was suffering pain? Maybe that's what this means, but I don't think so. I think it could also mean that she was in the midst of a troubling, trying situation. That there was pain in her life. That there was turmoil in her life. And yet, that in the midst of all this bad, in the midst of all the turmoil, she chose to give birth to a child. And this child then became named and represented with the trouble within which he was birthed through. That's not a good name. Because his name literally means pain. Now parents, young, young adults that are getting ready to have children, you've got to think through playground dynamics. You have got to think about how these names are going to play out out there. Hi, my name's Pain. That's not a good thing. How about being the visible representation to your parents of something horrible that they wanted to get out of. Talk about a horrible self-image. A weight on his shoulders. Talk about life not being fair. That was Jabez. And yet in the midst of pain, he was more honorable than his brothers. And in the midst of his pain... Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, and he said this, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me, look at this, and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. You want to change your life? You want your life to be different than it has been? You want to change your reality? God can change your reality. Here was a guy whose entire being was based around pain, but he knew if I come to God, God can do something to keep me free from pain. So I want to give you a simple model. In fact, I want to ask you to pray this this week. If you want to. I'm going to do it. I encourage you to do it. Four things you can pray for. Now, some of these are going to be hard to, to, to grab, but hopefully with the Holy Spirit's help, we'll be able to do it straight from that prayer. The first thing I want to encourage you to pray for is every day. You ought to start out, first of all, worshiping God. Remember we talked about that last week? Um, uh, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now we're to the, your kingdom come, your will be done. First, pray for blessing. Jabez, in the midst of his pain, what's the first thing he said? Oh, that you would bless me. I want you to know it's okay to pray for God to bless you. In fact, I want you to understand that it's God's desire and want to bless you. But I want to be honest with you. We have perverted this idea for most of my life. It's been this idea of, well, if I do this, God will give me a new car. Do you really think God cares about your car? Is that really the purpose? Is to accumulate more stuff? What if the blessing of God 
will come to you in greater measure the less stuff you have. What if the less you hold on to things, the more God will bless you? I want to kind of build that idea today. First, let's go to the Old Testament. Psalm 5.2. David said, Surely you, Lord, bless the righteous. Are you the righteous? Yes, we are. Those of you that have accepted Christ, you are righteous because of him and his sacrifice. So you're righteous. The Lord blesses the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. You should every day get up thanking God for his favor on your life. Thank you, Lord, for your favor. Now listen. I'm, I'm, I'm attacking my own grouping of people that I've grown up around, okay? The Charismatics and the Pentecostals. Listen, when you pull into Walmart, don't go tweeting on Facebook or whatever. God's favor is with me. He gave me the first parking space. I don't really think that's what it's about. I've told you for, for the last several uh, months, I've, God's given me an opportunity to serve as a chaplain at, at a hospital and it has been the it's been one of the greatest things I've ever done. It's changing me. I'm gonna be a better pastor and a better leader a year from now than I am right now because of my experiences there. But listen to me, every time I walk into a room I have no idea what I'm walking into. But yet to walk into a situation and to have a person who has suffered a horrific incident and their family is weeping and to walk in and be the grace of God to them. And to walk out of a room and sense a change in the atmosphere of the room. It's not me. That's favor. That's the favor of God. And it's on you. It, I'm no different. It's on you. You need to wake up every day. God, I pray for your blessing today. I pray, God, that your favor will encamp me like a shield. God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, when he was calling Abraham, he said, I will bless you. And here's the key why God blesses. And you will be a blessing to others. Now we know that through Abraham came Jesus, who is the greatest blessing of all time. But there is a covenant that was established with, with Abraham and his descendants that God would bless them. And through them, he would bless others. Now listen, jump over to Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, praise God. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. He wants you to be blessed so you can bless others. The problem is we want to be blessed for ourselves. But if we will learn to let go, let go, we become a pipeline that God can then just put more through. Put more through. He wants to bless you. He's been speaking this to me the last several weeks very strongly. Talking to me about my own selfishness. And... Um, so he, I've been just letting him change my mind and looking at my family dynamics and... And, uh, you know, it's something when your kids reach those teenage years and they want to go out and they want to hang out with their friends, but they don't really have their own source of income that's very substantial. And uh, so what do kids do? You know, they walk up, they Dad. And then they come in like, like, like little kittens, you know, creeping. Dad, you know, it, would it be okay if I went with some of my friends? You know, we're not going to go far and we're going to go to McDonald's, you know, dollar menu.
What do you want? Can, can we just, you know, a little? Please, Father. <laughs> and so I, I seeded this. I, I tried to set this up with my kids. And so this week I had a conversation with one of my kids who is, is, is this person is at this age where they're, they're ready to be independent, and, um, but they don't really have a lot of income or whatever. And um, uh, they, they, they were trying to, to let us know how much that they're trying to take care of themselves. And I finally got a hold of this person's attention. I said, why? I want to be your safety net. We want to bless you. It's okay to ask for help. Went to my other, one of my other children was like, so where are you going today? Well, we're going to go out to breakfast. Are you? Do you need anything? And the look on her face. Huh? <laughs> no, dad, I'm okay. Are you? Are you sure? Yeah, dad, you see my bank account. I got it. I have. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I got it, dad. Are you sure? Are you sure there's nothing you want? Now, my youngest, she's pretty sharp. I need to be careful. She was like, well, can I have 20 bucks? <laughs> she's going to ride for the juggler, you know. So I pulled out my wallet. Again, I'd set it up. And what she didn't know was I got, you know, several hundred dollars in here. And she saw a 50. Oh, I want that one. And I said, this is what's available to you. And I hear the Father today standing in front of you with his supply open to you saying, this is what's available to you. And you're only asking for this. You have not because you ask not. And I loved to be able to hand a little bit of cash over to one of my daughters so she could go, why? Why, did I, why was I willing to give her 20? Because you know they don't need 20 at McDonald's. And I know I'm not going to get no change back. Because she took a friend and we were, she was able to bless a friend. Why? Because the father. Do you see what I'm trying to get you to see today? Don't worry about the offering. And it's not about the money. It's about a principle that God has way more than we could ever exhaust. And if we'll just give what he has given us, he will give us so much more for the purpose of being a blessing to other people. Pray for his blessing on your life. Matthew 7, 11, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? The first thing I want to encourage you to pray for, like Jabez, is pray for blessing. i got to hurry. Number two, I want to encourage you to pray for influence. Pray for influence. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Influence is not a bad thing. It's actually the outflow of blessing. Influence is all about your ability to, ability to affect other people, to encourage other people, to let other people sense a, something, there's a life in you that they want to get connected to. Influence. Pray for influence. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy 
people, the key word there to me is hope, that you might know the hope. I think we got a bunch of Christians walking around hopeless instead of hopeful. And I'm not talking about a pie in the sky. I'm talking about being filled with hope. That's hopeful. Hopeful is not a wistful, blissful look at the world and trying to make it better than it really is. When you're full of hope, no matter what presents itself to you, it doesn't buffet you as bad. Why? Because you're full of hope. And where's your hope? Your hope is centered in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, as the world continues to spiral, as it's spiraling right now, those that walk full of hope are going to become people that others seek out and want to hang out with. And want to, they will gain influence. Why? Not to tell other people what to do, but to be a blessing to others. Pray for influence. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that's working in you. His power is at work in you. Pray for his blessing. Pray for him to expand your influence. Now to do this, you got to tackle a big mountain. Your self-image. Every single week. For as long as I can remember, on a Sunday morning, before I step up to speak, I pray a simple prayer. I'm being completely honest before you today. Help me, Lord. <laughs> because I, know, I, I, don't have, I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know why God's put me here. And I know without you, Father, this is going to fail. <laughs> it's going to be really, really bad. We were talking with... A gentleman who spent 40 years working with Billy Graham. My dad and I were able to have lunch or uh, coffee with him the other day. Um, and he began to tell us stories about the great Billy Graham. And he said, behind the scenes, before he would ever walk out, and as he got older, he would have to sit on a stool. He said, in 40 years, I never saw it change. And he said, someone asked him one time, what's the greatest prayer in, that you've prayed? And he gave an answer, and he said, but if I'm being honest, it's the prayer I pray every time before I speak. I think I'm saying that about right. And he would say, help me, Lord. Wow. Billy Graham needed help. Because it's not about you. And that's what we got to get over. It's not about you. Your influence is not based on your talents. It's not based on your giftings. Your influence is based on his blessing on your life because you're connected to him. All right? So it is okay to pray, God bless me. Let your blessings fall on me today. And God, expand my influence, not for me, but for your kingdom. Third thing I would encourage you to pray for is pray for presence. Pray for his presence to be with you. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. You need to pray for his presence every day to accompany you. Acts eleven twenty one. the early church. You want to know why they were so powerful? Because the Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand was with them. They weren't walking alone with their own ideas and their own creative agendas. They were walking fully knowing, I'm blessed I have the influence of the kingdom with me today. And more importantly, I got the presence of the Father who's walking with me today. You need to pray for his presence to be with you. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written in laws, but of the Spirit. The old 
written covenant ends in death. But under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Man, that's why we as Christians can face death with hope. Because it's not the end. The Spirit gives life. Again, pray for His blessing this week. Pray for, him, pray for His influence on your life. Pray for His presence to be with you. And lastly, pray for His protection. Here it is. Listen one more time. Oh, that you would bless me, number one, and enlarge my territory, number two. Let your hand be with me, number three. And number four, keep me from harm so I'm free from pain. You need to pray for his protection. Now, how do we stay free from pain? Well, there's a couple of basic ways. Um, don't drive without a seatbelt. Just don't do it. Just don't. It's amazing when people come into trauma that have been in motor vehicle accidents. One of the things I keep hearing the nurses ask is, where are you wearing your seatbelt? And if they say yes, they start digging in their clothes. Because there is usually a mark, a bruise from the seatbelt. You know, they encountered something horrific and, and an impact and yet that seatbelt when it protected them it left a mark where is the mark of his protection on your life pray for his protection lord let it mark me lord when i face something and i come through it let there be a scar let there be a mark yes my wife is a beautiful lady if you haven't met her shame on you she's gorgeous she is an 11 out of a 10, and she's more beautiful inside than out, just saying, but the out's all right. But as we were dating, and we would, you know what you do when you're dating, when you're first starting a relationship, you stare at each other all the time, right? Right? You just, ah. Yeah, I, I was a whip puppy from the first date. We'd go on dates and we'd be at dinner. I'm going to get in trouble with her father, I'm sure, but that's all right. He loves me. Anyway, we'd go on, on dates and, and she, she, I would just sit there amazed at her beauty. Oh, gosh. And the longer I stared, the more I noticed something on her forehead. Now, when we were younger and she had this hairdo, um, uh, she, she wore this hairdo where it draped down kind of like this. I think it's the right side. I don't know. But it, it draped down kind of like this. And um, one day she, she wore her hair and it was back and I could see her forehead and I saw this thing. And I was like, whoa, what's that? What's that scar? And she went, oh. And then she told me the story about how when she was a young child, she was playing with her brother and they were running through the house. And if I get the, if I get the details wrong, she'll discipline me later. But I think this is right. They were running through the house and they were playing and she fell and she hit the corner of the coffee table. Right, Mom? She fell and hit the corner of the coffee table, had a gash in her head, and now she's got this scar. And I want you to know, from that day forward, I love her scar. And it drives her crazy. Because I tell her consistently, Oh, I love your scar. Or, or we would sit there when we got to the, you know, the married touching phase. And I would just sit there and I would rub it every once in a while. Drive her nuts. 
Why do you love something that makes me ugly? You're not ugly, it's just a scar. Because every scar tells a story, and every story is a story of one that you have survived. At least the coffee table didn't take her out. That would be a bad story. Your scars are proof of survival. Your scars are proof of protection. Your scars are proof that you came through something and now you're better because of it. Come on, where are the scars, the marks of his protection on your life? Don't pray for a scarless life. Jesus in eternity right now is scarred for you. Forever and eternally. So Father, I'll gladly, protect me Lord, let there be some marks in my life. Let, let there be some scars, some stories that I can tell others that when they are facing trouble, no, 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 let me tell you about a God who can get you through. Psalm 3, 1 through 3, oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me, so many are saying, sorry, let me start that again, so many are saying God will never rescue him. You ever feel that way? Like you're never going to get out of your situation? But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory. The one who holds my head up high. When everybody wants to drag me down, it is you, O Father, that continue to lift me up. When I want to allow my eyes to drift and see my circumstances, it is you and your love that continues to lift my eyes so I continually see you. That's what that's saying. Pray for his protection. And lastly, Matthew 6.13, don't let us yield to temptation. You want to know how else we hurt ourselves, get hurt? Because we walk into bad situations. Yeah, we do. It's one thing to have a good time in life and have a mistake and you fall and you hit something and it leaves a scar on you. It's another thing to purposely walk out into a freeway and stand there with a semi barreling down on you. That's just craziness. And yet people do it all the time. How do we do it? Oh, we do it with credit card debt. We get ourselves in financial troubles. And then what's the first thing that goes away? Giving to God because we got to take care of the semi. Because we're possessed with this idea, I got myself into this situation, so i got to get myself out. Well, that completely goes against the whole relationship with God. He's, listen, you got yourself, the worst situation you ever got yourself into was one of eternal damnation because of sin, and yet Jesus came and got you out of it if you'll take it. So come on. If you get yourself into a bad situation, the first thing you ought to do is what Jabez did. Lord, I'm in pain, but oh, that you would bless me in spite of my pain. Oh, that you would enlarge my territory. See where I'm going today? And let, us, and let us yield not to temptation. Be careful where you go. Be careful the situations you put yourself into. I also want to meddle here. Every one of us have our own certain temptations that can take us out at a moment's notice. Let's be honest. We all do. Do you know what yours are? Let me give you another term. Miss um, Teresa, who has been a major influence in my life over the last several years, um, I hope she won't mind me borrowing a psychological term or counseling term. How about we set aside the word sins and think of them as triggers? Your temptations are, are the triggers. They're, they're the things that trigger a response. That's what it is. You get yourself into a situation and you're automatically going to go this direction. Well, stay out of the trigger zone. Just avoid it. 
Determine every day, Lord, I know where I can't go. You know what? It doesn't matter if God's given you grace to go somewhere. If he's not given me grace to go there, it's a sin for me to go there. He who knows to do right and does it not to him, it is a sin. Now, the right is not necessarily always right by God, but it's right by me and how I'm designed and how I'm created. There are some places I just can't go. Listen, I think it's amazing how many young adults love horror movies. I can't go there. I've been in one. And it took 20 minutes for me to know something inside screaming, I don't belong here. (laughs) Boom, I'm gone. I don't care if it was $8. $8 is not worth my peace. Be careful where you go. Don't lead yourself into temptation. And then don't come back and say, well, God told me to go there. If his blessing is on your life, if his influence is on your life, if he's expanding your territory, why in the world would he put you in some place that's going to put all that in jeopardy? Just be honest. Quit worrying about what everybody else does and spend your time connecting with the Father, the one who designed you. He said, I've, you are intricately and wonderfully made and build a relationship to where his blessing is there, his influence is there, his presence is there, and you allow his protection to be the seatbelt that keeps you secure. Don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. I want you to know he still does that today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray in just this moment that, God, you would teach us to pray. Just these four simple things from this famous story of Jabez. Four ways that we can pray. Four things we have access to if we will ask. I love that scripture, Lord, where you said you have not because you ask not. You put the onus on us to ask. It's one thing to know that you've got a wallet full of stuff from me. It's another thing when I activate it, when I access it. And I ask you today, Father, to move on our hearts. That as we continue in our prayer times this week, that we would be people who pray in a good way. Knowing that it's right to ask for your blessing. To ask for your influence. To ask for your presence to be with us. And God, to believe that your protection is always with us. In Jesus' name. Before we stand and pray, I want you to write one more thing on your note sheets. If I was to sum up the whole message today and what I believe about prayer, it is this. That prayer, true prayer, is when it aligns my heart with his will. So I want to ask you to respond verbally today. Does God want you to be blessed? Then ask him for it. Does God want you to have influence? Then you ask Him for it. Does God want His presence to be with you? Then ask Him for it. Does He want to protect you? Then ask Him for it. Let your heart be aligned to His will so that His purpose is manifested in your life. Would you stand with me today? Father, I pray that you would impact some people with the depth of your love for them. 
I speak against any negative mentalities and influences that would say, God can't love me because of this. That's a lie. God loves you in spite of. I pray, Lord God, for those that that may be struggling today that feel like they're in the midst of that Mack truck barreling down on them in the middle of the road and they don't know any way out. I pray, God, that you would show them that you are their protector, that you are the one who can change circumstances, that you can give them the way out. I think that's somebody today, so think about it in your mind. Let me show you how this works. You've seen it in TV shows. It makes sense, right? Somebody's in the middle of the road, and they see some some car barreling down on them. What do they do? They freeze, staring at what is approaching them. But what God's doing is standing on the side of the road going, Hey, take five steps this way. You've still got to make an adjustment. He's not necessarily always going to run out and dive and tackle you to the ground out of the way of the semi. You've got to be willing to make adjustments as he, can, as he calls to you, but he will help you get out of a situation. If you'll listen and if you'll let him. So, Father, I bless you today for that. I pray, God, over this place that you would inspire us with the depth of your love as we continue to seek you and pray. In Jesus' name, I pray, I ask. Before we're dismissed today, let's sing this chorus with Jeremy a couple of times. But as you sing it, let it be really your heart today. A deep understanding that you are loved, that God's love is for you and not against you. And by the way, one of the coolest ways you can really experience the love of God, I wasn't going to go here until next week, so here's a preview of where I think God's taking us next week. Um, This is a principle that I believe in. Life's too short to walk alone. You'll never come to know the full measure of God's love if you're living by yourself. Open yourself up to relationships with people. As we move into February and we have some small groups that start, I encourage you to get connected with other people in this church. Let them become God's love to you in a tangible way. Come on, let's sing this and then dad will come and close us out.